Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC brought to you with The Athletic. My name is Jack Collins and I'm coming to you directly off the back of, uh, frankly, quite disheartening and, and disappointing loss to Burnley in the Cup. Not because of the result, but because of the manner of the result. Here to dissect our exit in the fourth round with me are Miss Lydia Campbell. Hello, Lids. Mr. Nathan Martin. Hello, hello, hello. And the man of the moment, Mr. Cameron Ramsey, who today announces engagement. Congratulations, Cam. <laughs> Cheers, JC. Cheers, guys. Uh, long time coming, so I had to get the question asked. Mate, one of the best announcements it's I've ever so seen. Good. It, absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't seen Cam's uh, engagement post on Twitter, Instagram, very much worth checking out. It was a uh, where did you get? When did you get the shirt printed? That's what I want to know. Look, basically, um, COVID times have been tough with funds recently, so um, sh- shelling out eighty quid on a on an authentic Fulham shirt wouldn't have gone down very well. So we found um, we found, we found some guy from Thailand on Etsy. Um, <laughs> He does does the best, the most immaculate knockoff schneid interpretations of Fulham shirts going. And um, it it worked a treat. Um, The the only difference you can see in the shirts is literally the Fulham Fulham badge is a tiny bit wider than usual. (laughs) But um, other than that, I mean, she was happy to wear the shirt regardless. So I'm I'm, I'm happy as Larry, really. Nothing but the best for your Lucy. But we uh, we genuinely wish you wish you all the best. That's a it's a wonderful news on a on a pretty rubbish day. frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say the only thing I'm really disappointed about that, you know, took it took it down a few, few points in my book is that there was a you know there was no video of her doing kickups in front of the media I mean, that, you know, that's what we were waiting for you know for her to show off that prowess that made you make her your transfer deadline date signing oh mate i was i was gonna buy some cheap sombrico goldie gloves as well literally <laughs> Uh, couldn't get on couldn't get on sports direct quick enough really but i had to just make do and uh i think it worked pretty well so. good job buddy <laughs> Amazing. No, honestly, I could talk about this all day and I would probably rather talk about this all day than discuss the game we've just watched against Burnley. But it is probably time to address it. Lids, do you want to kick us off with some three word reviews? Uh, yep. So find quite a few um, on Twitter. As you can imagine, a lot of them are directed at our defence, um, So, and, which isn't isn't much of a surprise. Um, quite like um, Gavin, um, Gavin McGaw's What the Hector? Uh, which is quite good. We have Hector's tragic touch. I don't want to be all down on, on Hector, but like so many of them are. My, Michael Hector's tragic, uh, Hector Ream robbery, Burnley's happy place, um, Hector Ream scream. So to be honest, this is exactly what, what we kind of thought. Um, not not very positive um, on that. Apart from quite a few people have said they don't just don't care, which I suppose is uh, is not not exactly positive. But um, I quite like what 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 the Hector. That's uh, probably my my top one well, and kind of go, goes to the heart the of the problem, doesn't it? In, which is probably a record. Um, but but we'll give you oh, the, uh, we'll give you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Lids. It's um, it's your first time on secretarial duty, so we'll uh, pass it up. Um, Nate. Sorry I mean, it, it seems that it's the only place we can start, really. The <laughs> defence was 
abhorrent. The thing is that I think a lot of Fulham fans would have said to you that they just really weren't worried about a cup run. But to go out in that fashion, yeah. to go out in that regard is, is disappointing. Yeah, it's really odd because like I don't think anyone in our group is all that bothered or fussed. Like, you know, it's one less game that we have to play going forward. You know, we can focus on what we have to do as our, you know, our, our slim hopes of Premier League survival. But, you know, particularly coming off of the run that we've had, we've had two losses that, you know, they, they were against good sides. They, they hadn't completely popped our momentum. Today was just really pathetic. It, it was, it, it sort of made you sort of, Scott has made you believe that whatever else happens to the results, that we have a team that is scrapping together, that is buys into what he is trying to do. And that, if, you know, from the top to the bottom, everyone wants to be on this team and they're going to do what it takes. And the most disheartening thing about today was not the final scoreline. It was the fact of how many players on that pitch just didn't seem like they could they could care one way or the other. You know, just the lack of preparedness. You know, these guys are getting paid significant amounts of money. They're they're playing on a team scrapping for survival, and so few of them seem to 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 want to justify their selection. And it was it was it was just it was just pathetic. It was just really bad. Cam, I, I mean, the money is one thing, but I don't really mind about the money. The the problem I have is that this is supposed to be the the players who are scrapping to get into Scott Parker's plans, the ones who are trying to prove themselves worthy of a starting spot in the Premier League. And what we have was a performance that lacked any sort of spine or backbone. No, I completely agree with that. And um, same sentiment as Naif as well. It was an opportunity for lads on the fringes to really stamp a claim and uh, make their cause known and hopefully worm their way into Scott Parker's plans. We know that we haven't necessarily been performing um, you know, badly at all in uh, in the Premier League, but things could be better moving forward. And um, certainly in terms of grabbing those uh, all important wins, regardless of what competition you're playing in. And I, I, you know, I winced as soon as I saw Hector and Reem paired together centrally. They're, they're, they're the most brittle and fragile uh, spinal pairing that we've had um, in a very, very long time. And you've seen you've seen the difference that Anderson tossing and uh, Aina's made since um since you know joining forces at the back and it just kind of reverted things for me and it's such a shame to see us uh full 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 against a club which you know they they don't they don't score many goals at all Burnley it's once in a millennia millennially actually score more than more than one and it, it just it just kind of rem- reminded us just how poor our depth is as a club and um I think we don't need business in terms of defensive uh, reinforcements at all, but definitely moving forward, we need we need some new faces coming in because uh, at the back we were shocking, but moving forward we were absolutely thoughtless. Lids, I kind of wanted to come on to this, and is this part of a wider? I wouldn't say problem. I don't want to you know spin this out into a huge issue because I don't think it's probably the case. But at the start of the season, we saw Scott try and hold faith with the players that had brought him up. And we saw how that happened, right? And and eventually you see the, the lineups now and the majority, we're talking eight, nine of every 11 are players who weren't here last year, right? And there's elements of this. We've discussed it in terms of Mitrovic before about that, not a dressing room divide, but you'd imagine there might be a little bit of, you know, anger or, or frustration at the players who, you know, came up are other ones not getting opportunities. And yet you see games like today and you can completely understand why Scott has had to make the wholesale changes that he has. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone can accuse Scott of not trying to give the boys a chance at the start of the season. Um, but I mean, we saw how diabolical that was. I mean, we're in the position that we are, arguably because of those first eight, eight or nine games. 
um, where we were just handing teams goals on, on a plate. I mean, we, we were so easy to play against. So whenever then a cup game comes along and they get another chance, you know, we, we go back to that same Fulham that was so terrible at the, at the start of the season. I wouldn't blame Scott for this at all. Um, you know, the only thing would be if he has told the players that you're definitely going to be, you know, the boys who, who are going to um, help us survive this season. If he's done that and then went back on his word, then possibly I can understand why there's, there's um, a bit of, rumours of, of a divide anyway but there's absolutely no way any of those players can look at their own performances and think I deserve a place in this starting lineup. There's just uh, there's mate, just absolutely you, you no way. And you come from that and I you know I completely agree with Lids but you know we have we had a team today and we had you know an opportunity I think for for some players not to 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 really not even state a claim but but I do think that you got to go out there and, and show something and yeah. were there any bright spots for you? Um, yeah, actually one and I think we were talking about this before we came on air is that you know particularly with uh, my boy uh, the American sort of holding it down in the back line with the you know all the passion of the stars and stripes out for another game. Um, Joe Bryan played pretty well today and he was the one sort of one of the few bright spots. And I would say, you know, going forward for the next match, I think he he, he did enough to deserve, you know, his place in the squad. I think he makes up for what he sometimes leaves on the defensive side with some nice runs forward. You know, he had a few creative shots that probably on another day might have, might have, might have gone in. Um, I thought he played pretty well. I think Kamara also didn't do himself any disservice. I don't think he was brilliant. But in but 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 again, on another day, that shot goes in. It just you know the, the pitch was treacle, and it just stopped and and sort of stopped. Rodak did nothing, and you know when you look across those lineups, even you know my, the other American, the former um, Tim Ream, Rimaldo, whoever whatever we might call him, you know looked his age. They they looked they struggled to stay with a championship striker. This isn't even Burnley's top striker, and Hector and Ream just looked completely out of sorts so you know brian's probably the only one that i think um you know gave, gave himself a bit of a of a, of a t- took the opportunity rest of the squad mitro in particular like i'm sure you want to talk about that you know he's supposed to be getting himself fit supposed to be getting himself earn a place in the squad nothing just looks looks off it looks really off it yeah i, I want to talk about mitrovic and, and maybe sort of the likes of mario lamina and uh, and sort of that ilk of um, and kamara uh in the second part of the show because i think that's kind of the the players who are tearing on the edge you know who are who are in and around the squad but uh, cam is there something to suggest that you know we, we went out there today and we played five at the back against a burnley side at home right a, a, a weak burnley side as well you know this wasn't burnley's first first 11 although they did ring slightly less changes than we did but you know there is the the five at the back has worked or, on numerous occasions this year we've seen it work against the big teams is there a case that playing it is slightly too defensive slightly too regressive especially in games at home against the teams around us when we're just not creating anything no exactly um especially because long ball fc burnley uh, i think that we could have actually dealt with them just two sitting center halves and uh let our fullbacks become just uh, you, you just just deal deal with the channels as well as they can do uh, without necessarily having to push on as much. Um, I, I think I think as a unit it only works well with the personnel we have in the Premier League. Um, there is a divide, there is a massive gulf between the quality of lads that we saw out on the pitch today, and I would like to have seen us just maybe try something new. Well, not necessarily new, but the uh, 
Um, and an old style of which we used to play just to um, familiarise ourselves again with uh, a different challenge. Um, I, I, I'm not really too not really too sure, mate. I mean, it's still quite raw. I'm still trying trying to process the defeat itself, but um, it didn't work with the players that we had. And you're right with um, you know with Lamina as well out there. He's somebody just on the outside looking into the first team squad. Um, he couldn't necessarily really establish a foothold centrally. And uh, Mitrovic is is a player which definitely needs to have a long hard look at himself against uh, centre halves, which of course are physical, um, but he certainly has enough in himself to to deal with that kind of pressure and that kind of strain. You've seen, you've seen uh, Joachim Anderson's Instagram stories recently of him sitting in the gym doing uh, you know his his reps, um, you know, in terms of putting any work out in the training field. I would have liked to have seen this line up a little bit differently with a different shape just so we can attack the game in a different way and it's not so predictable. Um, and Burnley, they knew how, exactly how to break us down when the players that we had on the pitch and uh, us sitting back as a unit with that back three, with our, with our wing-backs as well, it was far too easy for them to build you know, momentum going through, this, going through the centre, especially with the long balls that they had for them to get bodies into dangerous areas and just um, break us down, pick us apart. And that's basically how they got all of their goals. And uh, like I say, it only works well when you have Anderson, Tossin and Aino out there. It, it, that's, that's, the only, that's the only way that you're ever going to see any sense out of a back three. Lids, would you agree? Yeah, I think I thought it was a weird way to kind of set the game up. That's that, that was my, my kind of take on it. Um, I think with the way Burnley play, with with a, an opportunity to play a much more attacking way, um, one we, we just didn't really do that. I I find it difficult to understand Scott's mindset going into it unless it's literally like this is how the first team play so this is how the second string are, are, need to know how to play but at the same time you have to adapt how you play for the opponents um, I think we could have made a lot more of, of today's match and it's, it's just a massive shame that, 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 that we didn't do that the setup wasn't right but at the same time the players did not implement it right you know, we it, it, it could have it could have been a lot better that, than it was. I wouldn't again. I wouldn't put this necessarily on Scott's feet. I think it's whether those second stringers are, are uncomfortable with that formation or what. I'm not too sure, but um, the, I, I think we probably could have tried to get the ball to Mitrovic a lot more, yeah, and we no, just we just didn't Nate, at all. Uh, let me throw something to you as you know a little bit of a devil's advocate here, but. Is there a risk that we overreact about this? Because let's look at this slightly, you know, in a different way. Let's look at it as a cup game that we said we weren't interested in. Yes, we didn't want to lose, you know, by that amount to a relegation rival. Obviously, that's not good for morale. But also at 2-0 down, Kamara goes through. He slips the ball past Bailey Peacock-Farrell on a normal pitch. It's 2-1 with 10 minutes to go. And Fulham, you'd imagine, pile the pressure on, right? There, uh, It was an awful surface, a surface that definitely suited Bernie's game more than ours. Uh, and on top of that, a second string side. Is there, a, is there a risk that we overreact? Somewhat. I think, I think you know, again, I, I think we're, the, the, the proof is in, you know, 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday night when we, you know, go up against Brighton, which, you know, before today, that was the worst performance I think I'd seen Fulham at in a while. Like that Brighton performance, we did not deserve a point. We were horrible in that match. So, you know, I, I think that whether or not we were overreacting can only show once that whistle goes uh, against the Seagulls. Um, but what bothered me 
that, that, that did concern me is, yeah, the players seemed off, you know, that that's not great. It, it's really concerning about our depth going forward for the rest of the year, you know, because someone gets hurt, you know, are any of this, that 11 players going to be able to step up? Um, that That is concerning. The other thing that did concern me that I actually do put a little bit on Scott is the lack of creativity in the midfield. And this is with, with, with TC continuing to be hurt. You know, we, we do have these games where we just look a bit aimless, um, you know, go, coming from the back forward. And, you know, Nguisa is not kind of the full playmaker that, that we might need at times. Um, so that, that's a bit concerning. That leaves it sort of open. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a cup match. I think I'd feel better about it if we played a few more young players. I would, you know, obviously played yesterday, but, but Jay Stansfield, you know, give him a run out in a game like this. You know, where it would have felt a bit more like, you know, that this this game doesn't quite matter as much. But too many of the players today are should should be first team players, um, and their performance that that's the most unsettling thing. So let's not beat Scott up yet. You know, Scott's we got to kind of keep the faith. It is a cup game, um, but I but I but I'd hope that Scott would use this as sort of a wake up call and just really you know give everyone a Sunday league Cam Ramsey sort of fire from God, road to Damascus, wake up call before we go up against, out against Brighton. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt, no doubt that that would have given them wake up. Call. I've, been on, I've been on the end of a Cam Ramsey roller king and it's, um, it's not a pleasant place to be. Right after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the players who played today and whether or not they should be a little bit disappointed with their performances. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Me, Jack Collins, Lydia Campbell. Hello. Nathan Martin. Hello, hello, hello. And Cam Ramsey. Afternoon. Cam, I'm going to start here with you. Were you surprised how strong a side Scott selected today? There were numerous players in here. I mean, obviously, at the moment, we have a bit of a left-back problem because Anthony Robinson is, is obviously suspended, so Joe Bryan had to play. But you'd imagine that of the players who played today, three or four, maybe five are players who will look to start against Brighton. You're looking at O'Brien, you're looking at Tosin Adarabayo, you're looking at Anguisa, a potentially a Lamina, a Bobby Reed, a Mitrovic. These are players who, you know, are, are in the conversation to start against Brighton and that quite a lot of them started today. You know, I wasn't necessarily surprised because it is against the Premier League opposition, which have been in similar forms to us recently, although they've certainly picked up their performances uh, of late and I think it's a good opportunity for us to realise exactly where we were as a club and as a squad and those players that did play today you know barring possibly Tossin um, and may- maybe Lamina those guys actually really did have to prove a point today um, against, a, against a squad which would also cause us a lot of problems and test their credentials too and of course we've, we've had you know, games called off due to COVID recently. It's another opportunity for them to build some fitness and uh, some core strength going in some very, very important games. So I, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised because I think those guys actually needed to have a run out just to really fine tune, um, fine, fine tune their fitness and see where they're at. Um, but I also agree that in the FA Cup, you want to have a little bit of an experiment just to give those first team players that may well be, you know, absolutely sure fire shoe in starters, um, an opportunity to rest and to um, get themselves uh, concentrated and focused on the task at hand on Wednesday. And I agree with Nath. I, I would have really liked to see Jay Stansel coming back into the squad. I've received a little bit of stick 
um, in, in the group because, uh, because of the whole uh, the whole youth the whole youth team uh, conundrum. You know, do we play players? Do we not play players that have been playing well in the under twenty threes, under eighteens, wherever? But he's a natural goal scorer. I would like to see him running running off uh, running off some long balls because Mitrovic just doesn't have that mobility in him whatsoever. Um, Fabio Carvalho, when he came on, I thought he actually did quite well. He took some very, very tough knocks and it's a bit of a sobering introduction to uh, first-team football. But I think there needs to be a little bit more mix of, uh, you know, experience and enthusiasm out there. And there was uh, there was a lot of uh, experience, but no enthusiasm whatsoever. So it was a bit of a strange one. Yeah, I mean, Stansfield's obviously just coming back from an injury. So maybe to rush him back into, into oh, first cool. team action earlier would be would be slightly weird. But I was surprised that Sylvester Jasper, especially after missing the under-23 game on Friday night, wasn't part of the squad at all. Oh, um, cool. that, that was a little bit disappointing, I thought. Um, Lids, there are you know, moments of this, and, and I suppose it's probably time to come on to Mitrovic. But, you know, this is a player who Scott has, in recent times, in recent interviews, said... Look, we understand each other. We've had these conversations. He's got to prove to me that he's, you know, worth his spot. And to begin with, especially, you know, at the start of that first half, there were flashes, but it just faded throughout the game, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. Um, you know, I think he was quite unfortunate, probably, for his goal to be ruled out. I think it was um, Kamara somewhere in the build-up. Um, I think on another day, that probably could have could have uh, been given. Um, I think you have to look at this from, from two two points of view. There isn't that much a striker like Mitrovic can do with absolutely no service. Um, and I think I think we have so we can't be too critical of Mitro today because I mean he had nothing. He had to say that he was fighting off scraps would be a massive um understatement you know he, he had absolutely nothing to go, to go on now what you could say though is that maybe he should have been um moving about a little bit more maybe coming back a little, a little bit more because um, he, he wasn't doing that but at the same time i just don't know what else he really could could have done today you could you could tell he was getting very frustrated when fouls were going against him um unfortunately that's just how defenders play against him now that if they get a slight touch they will fall to the floor dramatically doesn't matter if you're burnley um or or whoever you are and he 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 does struggle with that i think i saw a man today frustrated more than it than anything else uh, frustrated at his lack of service, frustrated at how little he was able to get into the game. Um, but at the same time, you kind of have to wonder, did he get so little service because of the way we play? And he really, you know, back to this argument of he doesn't fit with that. Or was it just because the players around yeah, him no, today were, were just Nate, that I bad? I want to kind of bring it on to you in this in this regard. Is is this a man who's potentially played himself out of a starting spot on Wednesday? And I don't mean that in a particularly harsh way. It's just a you know, if Mitrovic had done okay today, he toiled bravely and things hadn't quite dropped for him. You'd imagine that Scott might have been tempted to to give him a whirl, especially in a game against against Brighton where we've seen him you know, do, go well before, especially in that in that first season. So, you know, it, it's a tough one because now it feels like if starting him on, on Wednesday night would actually be a mistake given what happened today. Well, you can't, I mean, you know, it's, it's, who, it's who he gets a position over, um, you know, and, and how much you break up the lineup. And, you know, Lookman has to be one of the first names on the sheet along with Areola, um, you know, coming back in. 
And, and, you know, the same thing being said for RLC, you know, Ruben has been given a hard time recently, but he actually played very well when he came on, made some not, like nice link up play, opened himself up well and, and created a few opportunities. Um, I would love to see Mitro, you know, come out and just dominate Brighton like he did, you know, it's snowing here in the UK today. And it takes us back to that one bright spot of the Premier League season when we had that great comeback against Brighton and made Glenn Murray cry. I would love to see that replicated on Wednesday night. But on Mitro's current form, um, you know, it'd be really hard for Scott to say we're going to rearrange not just one player, but, but rearrange our entire style of playing to bring you back in the lineup. And I, I, I just don't see that happening. Interestingly enough, just as a side note, I'm seeing that Scott's press conference and he said the one player that impressed him was Anima. He said Anima looked good coming off the QPR game. You know what? Scott may see what Scott sees, but uh, you know that that's something to, be, to take into consideration, I guess, as we as we look to Wednesday. But not not sure if you could bring Mitro back in. I, I'm not sure I agree with Scott. I, I, I don't either. Maybe maybe this is like a, a reverse. Is this a reverse Mourinho when you're sort of like instead of criticizing your player in public, you're sort of bigging them up and hoping that they take the comments? Because I thought Anima was pretty nondescript for most. Uh, you know invisible for most of the game well yeah and this was the question i was going to bring on to cam and you know there has been valid criticism of ruben loftus cheek over the past you know couple of weeks and and we've seen discussions about him but today i, I saw nothing in josh onima's performance that would make me start him ahead of ruben loftus cheek and that was the big the big one that was being touted cam no completely again and he's another player which is just coming back from his injury problems too probably needs a little bit more of a confidence kick because he is that kind of player but Ruben Loftus-Cheek has also, you know, suffered his criticisms um, from all of us and uh, people on social media, wherever they are, pundits and uh, even Chelsea fans as well have been getting in on the act saying he's been completely uh, out of it this season. And uh, I thought when, when Ruben came on, again, he tried picking up the ball in, you know, stodgy conditions and he tried to drive forward. And uh, with Onoma, I thought his first touch was a bit saggy, a bit baggy. Um, he was caught out in simple situations where all we need to do is just offload the ball and move move out of danger. And I didn't really see anything either to for him to warrant a uh, you know starting place or even a place on the bench um, necessarily. I think he needs to um, take us take himself away and uh, look at his performance, analyze it, and just realize uh, where he needs to improve on his uh, decision making and his awareness. Uh, he's a player which for me he takes he takes a little bit of a while to get back up to speed anyway. Um, he's not somebody that comes out all guns blazing and um, is necessarily going to make a difference straight away. Um, so perhaps he just does need a couple more weeks for him to really get himself back up to a, a glowing standard of which he was towards the back end of last season. And uh, we've seen, a, a, you know, a marked improvement in Loftus-Cheek's game recently too. He's, uh, you know, especially the second 45 and in the previous game, he really, really, uh, he shone and I thought he was the brightest spark for us. And um, no, I, I just think there's no competition and there's no uh, comparison between the two if we're, uh, if we're pushing that kind of uh, question and conundrum. Uh, Onoma, no, he's not going to be included in my opinion. And Loftus-Cheek, I believe he's done enough to, uh, to stay put, more or less. Yeah, I completely agree. Lids, the last player I kind of want to talk about in this section before we move on to Brighton is Bobby Reed, who I thought was the basic creator of everything good that Fulham did in the first half. I know you said earlier that Joe Bryan was was a bright spot, but I thought on the other side, uh, Bobby Deckard-Everdere, again, just exceptional when he was on the ball and perhaps went over a little light for a, for a penalty call. But aside from that, was was really Fulham's great skark. And I was weirdly quite happy to see him subbed because it meant that 
he's being saved for that game where we just desperately need him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think um, Bobby D. Cordova Reed has actually put a foot wrong th- this whole season, um, especially being moved from kind of that forward line into this kind of roving um, wing back pos- position. He- he's definitely been kind of prop arguably the player of the season so far um, in, in terms of that of that change. I would say that I would still like to see him get, be given a chance kind of up front, but you can understand why Scott in, in a game like today will, will put him um, back into kind of the, the, the wing-back role because he does it so well. I don't know if he's played it before um, or, or whether he's just, he's just re- really taken to it. I, I've no idea, but I think in terms of in that transition between attack or between defence and attack, he, he does it so well. And we need we need that so much at the minute. We are so badly struggling for, for goals um, that we need someone who can bring the ball from defence straight up into into the forward line. And he does that very well. Um, the worry is is that can you know, we, we can't just rely on that. We can't just say that oh, well, we've got Bobby Decode over Reid. He can do that 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 um that perfectly, um because we can't expect in our our kind of right wing back to be scoring um all of our goals. After the break, we are going to be talking about the Brighton game in midweek, how we'd look to improvise a strategy to beat the Seagulls and, of course, take Fulham a little bit closer to getting out of this relegation zone. Don't go anywhere. Fulhamish has partnered with Jozo Collection, which is a local Fulham-supporting family-run business, making fantastic artwork, and we are selling two beautiful Fulham prints, one of the Cottage Pavilion and the other of the famous Golden Lion Pub on the Fulham Palace Road. They are both illustrated beautifully and are the perfect Fulham artwork for either yourself or a loved one. They come in A3 and A4 size and are available for just £12.50 each plus delivery. Purchase yours before they sell out at fulhamish.co.uk forward slash shop. That's fulhamish.co.uk uk forward slash shop welcome back to the fulhamish podcast me jack collins lydia campbell nathan martin and cameron ramsey right fa cup done dusted out of the way let's move on to the things that really matter in the world of black and white lydia it's almost impossible to overstate how big a game this is against Brighton now in midweek. Oh, it's absolutely huge. I mean, we we are now. I think we're um, five points behind um, the, t- the team ahead of us. Like th- this, this we we cannot afford any more drop points. Really, um, we, we we just can't. The, the positive performances in the league have been great, but they haven't re- haven't been reaping any rewards in terms of our, our 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 points tally. This is huge. We we don't have the same um thing where a lot of people. And work have been saying to me, oh, you know, you played very well against United, played very well against Chelsea, blah, 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 great. We can't play well and lose anymore. We can't do it. Um, and not against um, a, a direct relegation rival. We have to drag them back into this and um, um, and, and give our, our, ourselves yeah, Nathan, um, how a, much a real boost in the process. Bernie's win over Liverpool kind of re-emphasise this, that, you know, they didn't play very well. But they got three points and, you know, they've scored 10 goals in the Premier League. But that's been so much worth so much more. They scored four goals from open play. Same as bottom play Sheffield United. And yet, 
you know, they're, they're now starting to pull away from this relegation pack because they win ugly. And much as Fulham have improved and completely correctly, and we should be giving Scott praise for the fact that he has turned around the defensive capabilities of this side and we look like a side that can stand up for everyone. All of these things are valid. But at the moment, we need these points on the board or it's just going to run away from us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is where Lydia is also right, that you know we have, we have to start get, picking up three points. Um, you know, the underlying metrics and what we see when we watch the football matches in recent weeks and, and what the, what Fulham has looked like up, up until today, um, you know, based on that, we are not the 18th worst side in the Premier League, right? Like we are playing well enough. We're creating chances. We're playing good football. We're, we're not a side that should be in a relegation fodder, but we put a game ourselves such a hole. Um, and the reality is, is that you know what, the Premier League gods and the final list of the table of where people are, are, are positioned, they don't really care how beautiful a football you play if you don't get those those wins. And right now, Burnley is picking up ugly games. They're getting a bit lucky. We've been unlucky at times. Um, and, and yeah, they're starting to pull away. I'd say the only consolation that I have with, with Burnley getting some, some lucky wins um, is that Newcastle is sort of in free fall right now. And, you know, when Newcastle free falls, Unless Benitez, um, who, who's left China, comes in on a white horse to save them, um, you know that freefall could be quite hard, and maybe they drop back in, and, and we're able to, you know, catch up with them. Um, but Lydia is exactly right. You know, last time we played Brighton, we looked tepid, we looked turgid, we looked absolutely like just, just, just not up for the match. We need to bring the same intensity that we bring to the top six teams to the teams that are closer to us on the table, and that's been part of the problem. We show up for the games against the big teams. And we sort of aren't quite there for, for the ones that are around us uh, in the table. And we've got to be ruthless in terms of finishing. Yeah, Cam, I mean, if, if Millwall Leeds is the no one likes us derby, Fulham Brighton might well be the everyone likes us derby. Um, or no one dislikes us at least. But we could do with a little bit of, uh, of antipathy in this one. We could do with a little bit of nastiness because Fulham are often a little bit too nice. Yeah, um, we do need that gritty side to our game as well. Much like Burnley, if we are going to prosper and we're going to you know, uh, pull ourselves out of this relegation cyclone we're kind of caught in at the moment. And uh, with Brighton as well, they have a little bit about them going forward. That um, 1-0, 1-0 victory over Leeds was a fantastic performance um, from from back to front for them to uh, to stop uh, Marcelo Bielsa's side, which is one of the best teams in the world, of course. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I do think going forward, you know, we are creating chances as a final product that lets us down um, week in, week out. Other than that, the Premier League personnel that we have is certainly equipped to uh, to compete at this level. We look very uh, very hard to break down, very compact, and uh, there's there's a balance of cohesion to us as we as we you know rotate and administer the ball, and um, in order for us to actually move up the pitch and um, get into those opportunities where we can hit the target. So there is promise in our game, and um, I do I do like to be against a team like Brighton. They're, they're never really boring games. You know, I mean, last time out, we, we were devoid against them. We didn't really look like we had any real uh, impetus or game plan um, in our locker at all. But you look at you look at games gone by, even if Mitrovic isn't going to feature, and I don't think he will whatsoever, he does love uh, an outing against the Seagulls. Um, he always seems to come up trumps against them as well. But I, I fancy us to put out a result against uh, against against Brighton. We've uh, we've really shown what we're made of against you know Tottenham, Chelsea, and Manchester United recently. Even if the results haven't necessarily gone our way, but this is exactly where the season starts for us, and um, we need to start building some momentum now against teams in and around just just to just to keep our relevance in this uh, relegation battle. Otherwise, 
we cut ourselves adrift and we are basically fighting a loss, a loss battle and we're a lost cause. Lydia, on the back of that, who do you start on Wednesday night? Well, I mean, there's not many of today's uh, performers who, you know, as we've already covered, have, have put their hand up. But I still think Mitrovic would be more effective up front than Cav in this game. Um, I, I, I believe that whether he slows the game down or not, he is still better in the box than Cav is. And I think with our um, with our, our strongest lineup back, back, you know, Tete putting balls in, in, into the box um, with, you know, decode over Reid possibly, you know, um, helping us out there as well. I still think Metro is is a better option up front than, than Cav is. And I think today was terrible. We can all agree with that. Um, but I would say that on Wednesday night, I would I would still be kind of... I'll stick my neck out a little bit. I okay, would have Metrovich up front. That is a reasonable shout. Nate, who'd you go with? Um, you know, actually, actually, let's, let's, I would go with Lids. Like, I would love to see Mitro and Lookman pair up a bit. Like, I really like to see, I, I think, you know, Look, Lookman's speed and, and sort of pace and Mitro kind of bruising around the box a bit. Uh, would love to see that. Obviously, get get Tosin, Anderson back, um, you know, Tete and Aida um, as, as well. And then you yep. bring Reed uh, and Aguisa in, into the midfield, Bob, Bobby back out there. Um, you know, there, there's still a slot or two more, but I, I would, I would mind seeing you know some balls flying into the box from 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 Brian, excuse me, Brian and and Co. And then seeing what Lookman can create off of running off of Mitra. I think some good things might happen. I like. I think that there is a case to be said that Mitra should start ahead of Cavalero. Yeah, yeah. sure. But I wouldn't start either of them. I would start Lookman and Bobby Reed up top together with Ruben Loftus Cheek behind them. I'd start Kenny Tete at right back, right wing back, Joe Bryan at left wing back, the back three, the A team in, in the middle, and Angisa and Harrison Reed. That's that's eleven. Mm. <laughs> there's a um, there's a there's a space to suggest that that Micho is is more you know effective than Cav in the box. Sure, absolutely, a hundred percent. But I don't think I'd go with either camp. No, do you know what? You've actually hit my my, my line up in my head as well perfectly. I was going to suggest uh, I've always I've always wanted to see that little and large partnership up top, which works so well. With you've got the big man knocking it down to uh, Lookman, and he can just zip in behind. But I still don't think that Mitro is ready for that kind of uh, responsibility just yet. I still think that he needs to get himself back to a level where he can really trust himself, and we can trust him too. Um, and I don't really think the rest of the uh, the rest of the squad needs to be touched at all. If it's not necessarily broken, then don't really have to fix and tinker with it. So I'd agree. I'd actually quite like to see Lookman and uh, BDR up top just to see how they uh, how they fare as a partnership. Both are quite elusive in and around the eighteen yard box. They can both drop off and they can create and uh, get into those areas where they can incorporate their teammates as well. Especially Loftus Cheek, who does himself like to pick up the ball and try to drive forward a little bit more than what we've seen recently so I do think there's enough dynamism up top for us to actually get into those scoring positions it's just whether we have enough firepower to actually do it and uh, Mitrovic he's uh, he's kind of he's he kind of hit a bit of a damp spot in his career at the moment and I don't necessarily trust him to dig himself out against Brighton just yet so yeah I agree mate I'll go with uh, the lineup you've just uh, rostered out to us. Cam I just I was going to jump and say one thing I do like about that is that's a lot of speed, right? Like, hell of a lot. Yeah, hell of a lot of speed. You bring Tete out there, 
you know, the only person really missing is Robinson in terms of pure speed, our lineup. And I do like the ability, you know, we've looked very good on the counter attack this year. Agisa, RLC, et cetera, can, can, can move very quickly. That's a lot of speed to be able to press yeah. up high and then also to rapidly go forward from Tozen or whoever else. I, I, I like I like the idea of playing, you know, almost like two false nines up there as well. Nobody know, knows how to approach them. You know, picking them up is difficult because they they they, they never stop moving. Lookman and BDR, they're not necessarily players that stand still wait for the ball to come to them. They actually look for possession as well, and I think that can work very very well against um, the likes of Dunk and uh, and Dan Byrne as well. If we're going to you know put some pace up against them, I do think that we can break them down and get in behind quite easily. It's just down to the uh, the other players that, you know, to get into the box and support them as well, if they are going to flash balls across. So I'd like to see a little bit, a few more bodies getting in, in and involved around the 18 yard box. And I do think that we have that, uh, we do, we do have that squad now that, you know, they can get into areas which are going to cause lots of problems. It's just uh, the final product stick, sticking it away, which is our uh, massive Achilles heel at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lids, before we move on to some transfer talk, um, Cam mentioned there, Dan Byrne, former divider of worlds at Fulham. Uh, he's uh, one, one that split the fan base. Half of uh, half of Fulham's fan base thought that Dan Byrne was a wonderful player that needs to start every week. And the other thought he was Bambi on ice. Uh, will Agent Byrne do us any favours Wednesday night? Uh, well, here's hoping. Anyway, I think um, I think he has his work cut out for him against um, Ad- Adamola Lookman. Definitely, if we can get this man in a spin, we will have chances. I think that's that's kind of the way the, the way to look at it. If you put a lot of pressure on him, run at him, he's going to win balls that are that are high into the box. He is. He's absolutely massive, but on his feet. That is where we can really tr- um, tr- trouble him. And yeah, that's what I hope we, we, we do on Wednesday night. Um, that, that would make me extremely happy. Right. We do have a Brighton preview, but it's on our YouTube rather than the podcast. So if you want to go and see Sammy talking to the We Are Brighton podcast, it's up on our YouTube and the game is live on Wednesday night on BT Sport in the UK. Uh, let's finish this off with a little bit of transfer chat. Now, Nath. Scott has just basically said in his, his press conference that he doesn't expect to see any incomings. There's a couple of chats about loans and outgoings in terms of Steffi Hansen looks like he's quite close to QPR, which partly makes me feel a bit sick. And also partly I've kind of just want Steph to play football again because I really love Steph, but he can't play for us. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm a bit kind of mixed emotions on that one. But it's a, uh, it's a, it's kind of what we thought might happen, but but not necessarily what we were hoping for, right? No, it's just it, like I, I was listening to the pod uh, a week ago where, where you guys were kind of going through your with Peter um, and you guys are going through some of your, your wish list. And, you know, the reality is we have our wish list. And at the best of times, the January window is fraught and really hard to find a bargain, hard to get things um, across the line quickly. And this year, if you, if you put Brexit plus pandemic, um, you know, plus the fact that Tony is 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 sort of stretched, I think, pretty thin right now. I think it just makes it extra tricky looking also at our current lineup with the loans and such. And I think, you know, maybe Scott, the only thing I would say is like, I think Scott might be coming out and doing as much as he can to downplay this so that when if if and when Tony is able to pull something off, you know, it's a bit more of a surprise rather than sort of ratcheting up the pressure. You know, everyone within Fulham's uh, clubhouse or knows that we need another striker, knows we need some help. You know, Scott coming out and, and whining and complaining about it, doing a Frank Lampard and sort of, you know, bemoaning his fate would, would do no good. 
So, you know, let's let's see what Tony does. I think we all have to have really, really low expectations um, just because of the circumstances. And who knows, maybe Tony will pull a rabbit out of his hat um, like he did with this window. Yeah, I mean, Cam, what I, what I was kind of under the impression of this window was that we weren't going to see any massive incomings unless we saw an outgoing. And the big outgoing that we saw might happen was Mitrovic. And the backlash to that, I think we've seen online, on Twitter especially, has been reasonable because, you know, exactly, you know, how important he's been to this club. But without that sale, I don't think we, they're full and bring a player in. And therefore, you're left in this dilemma where you either bring in a player and you gamble on selling a man who's, who's given you so much over the last couple of years, or you stick. And in doing so, you potentially don't give the, the fans the player that they think they need. Yeah, no, entirely. And uh, the rumours have been completely muted. There's been nothing floating around, um, even for us to put an article out, which we usually do weekly in these uh, transfer windows. It's been dead in the water. There's been uh, nothing really to feed off. And uh, just touching on Mitro, you know, will he, will he stay, will he go? Of course he's going to stay. He's, he's he's going through a sticky patch in his career, but he's still completely integral to the way that we uh, we we would like to play. And his goals mean so much to us, despite the fact he's, uh, he's not really been effective in front of the target at all this season. But getting rid of him isn't an option for me. Um, and you're right. I mean, the only the only way that we are going to actually bring players in is if uh, players depart. And of course, we've seen Mario Lamina has been linked with Genoa from Serie A. Maybe that could free up a loan spot for us if we wanted to go out and potentially bring in a striker temporarily, because I think that's where we definitely need to strengthen. Obviously, Steph Joe, he's he's on his way out to to the hoops down the road, and uh, I agree with you in that sentiment. That I'd love to see him play football regularly again. It's just not going to happen in the Fulham shirt, sadly. Um, and you know, you look at the players that we brought in. I know that we 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 helped um, we helped fueled a little bit of interest around uh, Spezia Calcio, striker and Zola, who scored, what, I think, nine goals in 12 games. And he looks like 13, a very, yeah, 9 and 13, not bad at all. Yeah, exactly. And he looks like a very versatile, uh, powerful striker with a lot going with him and a great finisher in him as well. But then again, those those rumours are kind of dead in the water as well. You, you, we, had D, we had Dia as well from Stad Reims, who's another striker maybe of the same, uh, of the same ilk too. But other than that, it's been completely... Uh, it's been completely whitewashed with, um, you know, outgoings and sort of incomings. And um, I agree with Naif. If, if, you know, someone like Tony, he, he likes a surprise. He likes people to um, all of a sudden jump on his bandwagon on transfer deadline day. So, do you know what, mate? Well done for putting it out of the bag. We definitely needed a player of that kind of uh, calibre. But I just don't see anything happening. And I think that we're just going to stick with this squad and see if they can dig us out at some point this season, which can happen. It is doable, but... I think we've been screaming out for a more uh, mobile, versatile striker. But if the money's not there, I guess yeah. the money's not there, Lids. And, and that's kind of where we've got to. It's a, it's a question of if it's a sell to get someone in, then it doesn't look like that's going to happen as we roll towards the final week of this window. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it doesn't look good at all. I mean, who in our squad right now, who we, can, we could afford to lose is actually going to bring us in any considerable amount of money. You know, no one, uh, apart from Siri, maybe. Um, but that's that a, he would be the be only a, one. Um, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, isn't it? That's that that that's the problem. There's just <laughs> the only the only player who could possibly go for money who we don't need is Siri, and he's not going to go for money. He's going to go, as you say, out alone. It's just that the whole thing. It, 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 it's not great at all. The only thing I would say is that as much as I hate it, Tony Khan's style is to leave things late um, to try and get deals. So I don't think 
we're completely um out, you know definitely not going to do any um, any any deals but I wouldn't expect any until the transfer deadline day. I don't think it's a good thing, but I think it's it's possibly yeah, I mean, the, be- the best the we can yeah, expect right now. Going for it, so I guess that's where we are at this point, and that's probably all for today uh which means that the last thing to do lydia is to i know you've done this already but you are going to officially have to name it yeah no i'm not it's just i'm just not not very good at this um i think i'm going to stick with um what the hector because uh, i think that was pretty much on all of our minds as we watched what unfolded this afternoon at the college. Uh, so and congratulations on your first step as uh, you know in secretarial duty it's a it's a role i it's a role i know well lids and uh, it takes it takes quite a while to get used to it so i think you've done an absolutely fine job for your uh for your your first appearance there well, thank you very much to Nathan well, thank Martin you, thank you. for all of your insight as ever. <laughs> Welcome. And hey, Cam, congratulations once more before I, I, I miss my opportunity. <laughs> Nathan, you're ruining my head. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it over again if you want to. I'm sorry. I just, I just really I'm going to have I don't know what to do with and finally, thank you and congratulations <laughs> to Cameron Ramsey. <laughs> This has been an absolute treat, guys. Thanks very much for uh, blowing smoke up my rectum. Uh, <laughs> something, that, something that I definitely need during COVID times just to bring back the feel-good factor into uh, eight sheriff close. But, but no, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys today. And despite the result, up the Fulham and cheers. Absolutely. I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Fulhamish podcast. And that is probably the happiest end you could imagine to a day of pretty bleak Fulham results, frankly, and uh, we'll live with it, though. This has been the Fulhamish podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday after that crucial Brighton game to take a look at how we fared down facing the Seagulls in Falmer. You whites. You whites.